Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are studying the life of Christ, and we have passed through uh, Jesus uh, being baptized, being filled with the Spirit, uh, His uh, temptation in the wilderness, and uh, we have followed the Lord Jesus up into Judea. And now Jesus has left Judea and he comes through. And I like the way the New King James uh, or the King James Version says he must needs go through Samaria. And when we were together the last time, we were talking about the woman at the well and the things that uh, Jesus had done to draw her uh, to himself. Praise God. And so we... uh, We're at the well. Jesus is sitting there. This woman comes to draw water. He asks the woman to give him to drink and then begins the conversation. And you can tell in the conversation the uh, the the resentment and the angst that the Samaritans uh, had towards the Jews and vice versa, but not with Jesus. Amen. Folks, let me tell you, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, we must follow him. And that means we must do the things that he did. Albeit we'll not do them perfectly because we still have a human body and and uh, the nature of sin that's in our flesh to deal with. But we can follow him. Praise God. Amen. And so uh, we see how the Lord Jesus won that dear woman. And we're going to finish out her story. And we're going to see how this how Jesus won this this uh, this woman to the Lord. And not only. Uh, her, but the entire village in which she lived. Uh, God did such a wonderful work in Jesus Christ uh, to those dear people, praise God, who need a Savior. Listen, uh, we need a Savior. We need Jesus. Amen. Whether we're well-to-do or whether we're a nobody, and and I, I, I say this often, we have to come to the place where we recognize that we are nobody and look to Jesus to make us somebody. And we all can be somebody in him. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just ask you to bless this time in the word, Lord. Hallelujah. Anoint this. Anoint your word. Anoint uh, the words that are spoken and the ears that hear these words. And Father, we do all to glorify your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're here at the woman uh, with the woman at the well, and uh, Jesus speaks directly to her concerning personal things in her life, and he knew that by the word of knowledge. And uh, he asked the woman, "She says, call your husband." And of course, she said, "I have no husband." And Jesus said to her, "You have well said, you have no husband." Because you have had five husbands. (laughs) Sounds like a Hollywood personality, doesn't it? You have had five husbands, and he he whom you have now is not your husband. And, of course, this absolutely amazed the woman at the well because she knew that. And how did he know that? Well, it affected her so much that she comes out and says, Well, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. And then Jesus begins to talk to her about some things that uh, were on her mind. But he says, but Jesus says this, he says, but the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father seeks such to worship him. You can only be a born again child of God to be able to worship God in spirit and in truth. 
because that only comes from the Holy Spirit. And the only way that you and I can have the Holy Spirit is to be born again. Amen. Now, there is a subsequent experience of the Holy Spirit, but we're talking about right now the new birth. And notice that Jesus talks about, in, in these two verses, he mentions three types of people in the world. Uh, those who are religious worshipers, those that worship in vain, they don't know what they're worshiping, but then the true worshipers. Those that worship God in spirit and in truth, and you have to have the Spirit of God in you in order to be able to be one of those types of worshipers. Praise God. Amen. And so Jesus brought this to the women's attention. And notice that she says immediately, I know that Messiah, who is Christ, comes, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. See, her heart is yearning. This is what brings Jesus on the scene. If you want an answer from Jesus, then you seek him with a whole heart. And see, the Lord Jesus looked through this one. He looked through the woman's pain. He looked through her sordid past and all the things that she had committed because she was a sinner. But now Jesus declares to you, I who speak to you am he. Praise God. Oh, I think that's wonderful. And so the woman, she drops her water pot. Now notice that we always have time and money for what is important to us. I want to say that again. We always have time and money for what is important to us. And see, this woman drops her water pot. That's the whole reason why she went to Jacob's well to draw water for the day. She dropped her water pot. She left it there. And she ran back into the city to tell the people what she had found. Praise God. And while she's running back to the city, here comes the disciples. They went into town to buy food. And we'll pick up here in verse 27 of John chapter 4. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or what are you talking with her about? Amen. Praise God. And so the woman, she leaves her water pot. She goes into the town. And uh, she tells the town folk, I want you to come see somebody that has told me without knowing me firsthand that has told me everything that I've done. This, and she says this, could this be the Christ? Could this be the Messiah? The one that they're looking that, that they knew would come one day. And so while she's gone into town talking to the townsfolk about this, the disciples, they're at the well, and they're asking Jesus to eat something. And Jesus said this. He said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. See, he was about the Father's business, just like you and I need to be about the Father's business. Praise God. And then he says something very curious in verse 35. He says, don't say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields for they are ripe for harvest. And just like Jesus told his disciples, open your eyes and look. The church today needs to open up its eyes and look. Look to our neighbors. Look to those in our community. You may not be able to speak to all your neighbors, but you can certainly, you and I can certainly pray for them that God would do something wonderful. How many revivals were started by people who got it into their heart a desire for their community and would spend enough time praying 
that God would answer that prayer. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Pray for laborers to go into the harvest field? Isn't that what Matthew said? When Jesus said, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest field. You know, the psalmist said this. He says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And they that go forth weeping, bearing precious seed with, with them, will once again return, bringing their sheaves with them. Praise God. That's talking about sowing and reaping the harvest. Amen. And that's what we in the church, that's our mission. Praise God. That is our mission. And then Jesus said this. He said, I sent you to weep what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you've reaped the benefits of their labor. See, Jesus did all that work at Jacob's well. Amen. <laughs> and the disciples, they're the ones that are going to enter into that labor. Praise God. And then going on in verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. They, they accepted the woman's testimony. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them and he abode there two days. Revival breaks out, praise God, among the most unlikely subjects. And then John's narrative continues, and many more believed because of his own word and said to the woman, now we believe not because of your saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. We need to hear Jesus. Praise God. We accept the testimony of others, but we need to hear Jesus ourselves. Salvation is not in the testimony of others. Salvation is in the testimony, God's record of his son. Do we believe that? Praise God. Well, I certainly hope uh, we do. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Now we're coming to a new section. This is uh, the beginning of Jesus ministry in Galilee. Now we have followed him. Amen. From the Jordan he into Judea, the Mount of, uh, of Temptation. Jesus returning in the power of the Spirit. Praise God. We're going to see that in just a few moments. And now he's coming into back into Galilee. And notice something that Je Reverend James Stalker says, and I, th I think this is an excellent way to explain uh, this uh, new section. He writes in his work, The Life of Christ, and this is what he writes. The public ministry of Jesus is generally reckoned to have lasted three years. Each of these had peculiar features of its own. The first may be called the year of obscurity, both because the records of it which we possess are very scanty and because he seems during it to have been only slowly emerging into public notice. It was spent for the most part in Judea. The second year was the year of public favor, during which the country had become thoroughly aware of him. His activity was incessant and his fame rang through the length and breadth of the land and it was wholly passed in Galilee. So this is the beginning of Jesus Galilean ministry. Now at this point, he doesn't have any disciples with him. He has those that are following him, but none chosen. Amen. And so uh, mostly what Jesus is doing in this time, he's doing on his own. And so Jesus now, he's left the Jordan. He's gone to Judea. Now he's passing through Samaria, and now he's coming into his own home country of Galilee. And notice what John records here. 
Uh, actually, it's uh, the uh, four witnesses of the Gospels record here. And after the two days, he went forth there into Galilee, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet is, has no honor in his own country. And Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent you and believe the gospel. Now notice this. This is out of Luke's record. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their glory in their synagogues, being glorified of all. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they themselves also went to the feast. So here's his fame being spread abroad. And, uh, and having successfully passed through this time of testing, uh, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, he returns Remember now, he's passed through Samaria and revival sparked out. And so here he comes fresh from the anointing in the Galilee. And I think that's one of the reasons why Luke records how he returned in the power of the Spirit. Praise God. And John tells us that God, that Christ was given the Spirit without measure. Amen. I mean, how would you like to have the full anointing of the Holy Ghost operating in your life and ministry? Well, I don't think you or I could stand it. Amen. Praise God. And so John says, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made him baptize more disciples than John, though he himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and he departed again into Galilee. And of course, he went through Samaria and ministered to the woman at the well and they and the village of Sychar. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. So now he has a following. His fame is now going throughout the land. Praise God. And so now we come to the incident where he heals uh, the nobleman's son. Notice he says, so when Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine, and there was a serpent certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Now, the people remember this. They remember this incident. Amen. It, did, it didn't just stay local with the wedding uh, festival and the party guests. This news of what Jesus had done spread abroad. Amen. And when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, here is a nobleman, a man of rank, a man of stature. But once again, we always have time and money for what's important to us. And what was going on in this nobleman's family was important to him. And so he was willing to throw uh, protocol to the side and come to Jesus because this man was desperate. And that's how we get answers to prayer. That's how we receive miracles. And that's why we're going to have revival one day. Because we're coming to a place of desperation. Amen. Where we know that we must have him. Praise God. And notice what Jesus says. Jesus said unto him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And so there's an element of truth here. Amen. Amen. Isn't it interesting that revival breaks out 
All the curiosity seekers come to see what's going on. It's just like a fire. When the fire breaks out, what are people going to do? They're going to go watch the, somebody's house burn. And so fire attracts people. Praise God. Well, there's a fire brewing in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> praise God. And that's what drew this nobleman to him. But now there's something about this man that stands out, uh, stands stands out among the Galileans, praise God, and those in Cana. Then said Jesus unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. Now notice about this man. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him and went his way. So the word that Jesus spoke was enough for him. He believed that. And you've got to trust in somebody in order to have that measure of faith, because there is always the measure of faith, a measure of trust in an act of faith. And that's exactly what this man did. He went his way. And I like that because there's a lot of times that people, they enter into a, a, an area of faith where it's within their grasp, but they allow doubt and unbelief to come. Notice that there was no doubt and unbelief in this nobleman's, this nobleman concerning his son. He accepted the word that Jesus had spoken and he went his way. Many of us, on the other hand, they keep, you know, bombarding heaven, bombarding heaven. Oh, God, you've got to do this. Lord, if you don't undertake, if you don't do this and if you don't do that. And yet the word of God has already spoken. But we're ready to believe after the miracle happens. But Jesus said you've got to believe before the miracle happens. And that's exactly what this nobleman did. He believed the word that Jesus spoken and he went his way. And let's finish this out. Let's finish this narrative out. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he believed in his whole house. Amen. Praise God. In other words, not only did he believe the word that Jesus sent and went his way, his faith was confirmed. Now he knows. You see, before you receive healing, you believe that Jesus will do exactly what he said. But after you get healed, you know it. That's why so many of us, our faith can't be shaken, because we know based upon our past experience, when we believe that Jesus answered our faith, praise God, now we know. And that's why Paul could say, but I exult in tribulations also, because I have learned that tribulation works patience, patience, experience and experience hope. And hope does not make a shame because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. See, that's confidence. Do you have confidence that Jesus and his word are one? Praise God. Amen. Well, if you do, then you are a man and a woman of faith. Praise God. 
And so following on, it says here that this again is the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Jesus in the Galilee. Now, he did a lot of things in Judea. We don't have a clear record on it, but we know that he did. But the fact remains, the noblemen believed the word which Jesus spake. And we see here how faith is always revealed in word and in actions. The nobleman's faith is revealed by his action. He went his way. Praise God. Amen. See, he had Jesus' word on it, and that was enough for him. Amen. And so we must have faith in the word of God. And when we say faith in, that means we need to be fully persuaded that what Jesus said, he'll bring it to pass. When Jesus says, I am the Lord that heals thee, then we accept that, praise God. And we believe that he will do exactly what he said. Now, Jesus spoke the word. And when Jesus spoke the word and said to the nobleman, your son lives, at that very hour, the fever left. In other words, and, and then the scripture says, th then he began to amend. In other words, he began to get better. Well, you, can, we, you and I can understand that. Jesus removed the fever from the son. In other words, when Jesus said, thy son liveth, that the fever died. It was gone. But it takes the body a while, especially, you know, the body of this of this son that was ravaged by fever and by you can imagine the infection and everything that was causing that fever. The body was trying its very best to overcome, but it did not have the power to do so. Jesus empowered that body by removing that fever and he began to amend. Praise God. Amen. So what does that teach us? Well, it teaches us that we are to seek the Lord, not just for his help, not just when things get out of hand and we don't have anyone to turn to. I mean, many of us do that. But we seek him what? Not for his things. We seek him for his person. We seek him for righteousness, his righteousness, not our righteousness, his righteousness. Because after all, Jesus is the bread that endures into eternal life. Praise God. And we thank him for the things that he does for us, but we seek him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto us. Praise God. And so now he's coming into, into Galilee, and he comes, and I, I look at his time, short time in Nazareth, as actually the beginning of his ministry. This is where he, he is announcing to Israel his ministry. Now, he's already revealed himself to the woman at the well. And he's already done miracles to bolster the faith of his followers. Amen. And so now he's coming to Nazareth. Now, notice this. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. Now, we're looking at Jesus now and, and his followers. In other words, his disciples, you know, we've already passed through that. You know, the woman at the well, his disciples, they had gone into town to buy, you know, so so he has followers now. And we're going to see a record of exactly how uh you know, his disciples came to him in a little bit, but but here's Jesus now. He's coming. And uh, 
He's coming to Nazareth where he's been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. That was his custom. He was at Sabbath worship every Saturday. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He was chosen by the, the ruler of the synagogue to read. I think that was like a, a token of welcome. And he opened the book and he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me. Amen. To heal the broken heart, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty to them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Praise God. He found the place where it was written. Isn't it interesting how he just happened to be handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah? Now, I tell you, it's just amazing how God works, how God orders events totally, totally out of our own power and authority. But he does that. Amen. Because he has a plan and a purpose. Aren't you glad you're part of his plan and purpose? Aren't you glad that he works things out? Amen. Hallelujah. Without your hands being involved in it. Oh, I tell you, it's just wonderful. But notice that the, the passage that uh, that Jesus read was out of Isaiah uh, 61. But now there's one part of that verse that Jesus did not read. And it's this part and the day of vengeance of our God. That's reserved for the end time. Not for this time. This time, Jesus is here. He's proclaiming the year of God's favor. Amen. I tell you, it was God's favor that brought Jesus to this earth. It was God's favor that enabled him to preach glad tidings to the poor. Amen. And then Luke goes on and he says this, and he closed the book. And he gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Now, the Galileans know what's going on. They know about the, the, the miracle at Cana. They know about some of the things that he'd done in Capernaum. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your ears. Now, what's Jesus doing here? Well, he's presenting himself as the Messiah, declaring that this is the year of God's favor. Amen. <laughs> oh, I tell you, that just thrills me. And notice verse 22, and all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is not this Joseph's son? Now, this is something we need to see right here. They were amazed. They were shocked. But they were looking at Jesus as the carpenter's son and not as somebody who's anointing of the Holy Ghost. Who is this upstart? It's like when I fresh out of Bible school and, and I was uh, preparing to get into the ministry and was working hard towards that end. And I was working for a, a Baptist preacher, retired Baptist preacher. Uh, he had a, a job as a carpenter. And uh we were working in a house and he was talking to a couple of gentlemen and and uh, and he mentioned my name and said he's a preacher. And then you know, the first thing out of that man's night, uh, the fellow he was talking to, the first thing out of his mouth, he can't preach. 
How does he know I can't preach? He doesn't know me. He's never really even met me. But yet that was his logical conclusion. Illogical conclusion, actually. He can't preach. See, and this is what we do so much of the time. We judge people by the outward and not by the inward. And that's exactly what the people in Nazareth were doing. So it is true. So familiarity does breed contempt. Jesus was raised up before them. They knew his daddy. They knew exactly what Jesus was as uh, pertaining to the flesh, that he was the carpenter's son. But they would not believe the fact that he was more than that. And then Jesus goes on and he says this, and he said to them, no doubt you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. So they didn't believe, they didn't actually believe the things that were done in Capernaum. And when Jesus came to Nazareth, they said, well, let's just see what he can do. And how many times have we had people in our meeting saying, well, let's just let's see what he can do. Well, that's a shame. People miss out on God's best when they do that. Amen. Now, I see we've run out of time, but we'll stop right here. And uh, we'll pick up exactly where we are in our next session. Heavenly Father, we bless you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we praise you. We thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. Hallelujah. And Father, we trust our lives into your hands and we give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.